Hello, internet friends near and far. Welcome to another episode of Parks and Conversation. This is a podcast where we celebrate the goodness and the wonder that is the classic NBC sitcom Parks and Recreation. And uh, I'm Jason, and I'm joined all the way across town by my friend Jeremy. Say hello, Jeremy. Hey, how's it going? It is going so well. The sun is shining yet again. My kids are in school. Things are getting back to uh, where they're just not in my face all the time. It's wonderful. <laughs> How are you? Quote, normal. Is that? Yeah. It's not normal. It's the new normal. Right. Which I liked old normal better, but I uh-huh. guess if new normal's all we got, then. Okay. It's like nor- normal 2.0. <laughs> yeah. I listened to a fascinating podcast uh, a long time ago. I don't even know how to find it on the internet if I try it, but it's Malcolm Gladwell. And he was talking about McDonald's French fries. And okay. when he was a kid, McDonald's French fries were fried in beef suet. Like the bat, the fat from beef, like they were actually sure. deep fried in that kind of fat. And then because of, you know, health and stuff, they had to change to a, a kind of vegetable oil. Mm-hmm. And it radically changed the flavor of the McDonald's French fries, which is like, you know, if you grew up with really good fries and then they change them on you, it's like the worst thing you could possibly do to somebody. Consequ- so he had, he had a whole podcast about it wow. and how much better it would be if they would just go back. Sure. That was also it- happened to be the same time that uh, Pepto-Bismol sales started to climb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Right. what yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't remember a difference in the fries. So I think I it know. was before we were really cognizant of flavors. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. when you're a kid, everything tastes good and right. or, or everything is fine. You don't really notice how awesome something is. Except sugar. Um, Except sugar. Yeah. That's like, oh, this is sweet. I would like all of it. I want more of this always. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you don't really know. But like Malcolm Gladwell was old enough. Like he was an adult when this switch happened. So he's like, wait, this is wrong. So now, now I am on a quest to um, just try all the French fries. And good, uh, good luck. Yeah. So it's important. It's important stuff. Um, yeah. Favorite fry. Where, where, where are your favorite French fries? Jeremy? A fr- favorite French fries. I, uh, a red Robin. The Mostly steak fry. the steak fry, because I like, I'm a sauce guy. And so that honey mustard sauce, it's, it's really more of a, a, a sauce delivery system. So mm-hmm. it's just the a fries big... are a sauce shovel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say spoon, but I like shovel too. That's about how I eat them. Uh, I, I eat Red Robin French fries like most people eat chips and salsa at a Mexican restaurant. I just okay. say, keep them coming. Just Yeah. When the server is like, can I bring some table fries to begin with? It's like, I don't know why they're not here now. Right. Yeah. Why don't fact... you bring them on your way? Mm-hmm. Why Save did... yourself some steps. Yeah. Why didn't you grab some while you were taking us to our table? Right. That would, I don't know why they don't do that. Just grab a ba- but... basket of fries on the way through. Right. It should just have them out there under some heat lamps <laughs> as, you, as you just take a basket as you go to the table. Yeah. What about, <laughs> yeah. I have not been to Red Robin in, I feel like, a, two years. But yeah, that's my favorite fry. How about you? I really like the McDonald's French fry. Okay. So I like how uh, the, they're not super thin. They're not like shoestring fries, which are gross and way too much work. They're uh, a lot like, of work. Yeah, so like, uh, there's a place called Indigo. I'm calling you out, Indigo. Kathy loves their fries, their <laughs> shoestring fries, and I like, I hate them. 
Uh, also, Claim Jumper had shoestring fries for a long time. Oh, I, I yeah. was like, what's the point of this? Um, it's so much work to get a French fry. Uh, so I like the McDonald's fry by itself. No sauce, no ketchup, nothing. It's just so good. And at the bottom of the little uh, cardboard dispenser, when you got the little like fry bits, uh-huh. those are real good too. Right. The little fry toothpick. Yeah. Oh, man. I love them. So, but they're never super, uh, you know, they sometimes if they may come wrong, but like they're, they're almost always crispy. Whereas like you go to a Wendy's and sometimes they're crispy. Sometimes they're super floppy. And it's like, this is gross. Well, it's a, it's anyway. the same thing at Red Robin though. Like the second, the second order, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, you got, you got your first batch. That's, that's the good one. And then after that, they're like, you get these barely heated up. We grabbed these out of the freezer bag and gave them to you. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh man. Also, I would I would go for my second favorite fry. I would go in and out in California. Okay. Those are good fries. But I also like that you can see them make the fries right in front of you. Yeah, kind of like a, a local our local uh Dick's hamburger drive-in. Right. They they also slice up the the they have the potato press. Yeah. However, the the fries from from Dick's are they're good while you're eating them, but you are instantly filled with regret because of your life decision. Yes. <laughs> like, I, why did I eat that? Why did he eat three of those? Why did he eat four deluxes? No. Because <laughs> they're a dollar twenty-five. Why <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah, and their milkshakes are really good too. Anyway, I. Uh, why are we wow. talking about this? Because I, I don't know. You started. We talked about going back to the new normal. Oh yeah. So speaking of abnormal. <laughs> Today, I mean, changes in the air in the parks department and new Chris, uh, uh, Chris Traeger, the new city manager, he's coming in with all kinds of great ideas. He's going to mix it up. And so, you know, part of the tension that they're feeling is trying to get back to what was. And so, you know, you, sometimes you can't go back to what you used to have. Um, but, you know, if you're Ron Swanson, that's all you ever want is what you've always had. So that's. Look at that transition, man! Wow. Nailed it. I I should just post this to the uh, the podcast awards for like best segue back on topic when you didn't start on topic at all. I'm not sure that's a category. Is that a, that's probably it. Got to be a category. <laughs> Have you listened to podcasts? <laughs> it has to be a, a a category unless it's produced by NPR or people who actually know what they're doing on radio. You know, <laughs> most podcasts are two guys just chatting. So sure, yeah. So uh, yeah. This episode is called The Bubble, and uh, we are going to uh, walk through it. And we'll, we, I broke it down into three major plot lines again. And so we're going to start with the B and C plot and then come back around to the A plot because the A plot carries Ben and Leslie's story forward. Um, but let's uh, give a, a synopsis for uh, season three, episode 15, The Bubble. Leslie really w- does not want to ruin the wonderful bliss of a new relationship. And Chris is changing everything. That's the synopsis. Um, and so cold open is interesting because um, Anne is in it because Anne is starting her new job at the parks at City Hall, part time PR director for the health department. For the first Finally, time, she's actually supposed to be there other than drawing yes. people's cholesterol blood. Cholesterol, cholesterol blood. blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is the first time Anne actually has an excuse to be in the building during business hours. Season three, episode 15. Finally, mark it down. Um, and so she's part time at the hospital, part time at the at City Hall. 
She's got a reason to be there. And so as she's walking in the hallway, you hear uh, Celebration by Casey and the Sunshine Gang. And uh, she comes into her office and it is full of balloons. Leslie is throwing a welcome party for Anne and she's got all kinds of great uh, opportunities for them to celebrate and coming into the department. Um, and it's gonna be great. April is in there, hidden in the balloons. And she appears and says, one of these balloons I filled with poison and I'll pop it and kill you. And Andy responds by saying, that's not how it works. Gases fill the volume of whatever container they're in. School. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my favorite <laughs> moments. Uh, is he just cites school right as he's looking right as he breaks the fourth wall like he's looking right at the camera like letting everybody know just how smart he is yeah so great uh so um but then we also find out that as leslie's giving all of the activities uh less and also has an office mate in in this (laughs) office full of balloons uh and it's Stuart, uh and uh he's kind of a grouch um and his first response is get these bleep balloons out of here so Stuart's not a fan of balloons no and Stuart I don't think Stuart is going to be in the office for very long if I remember like this is the only episode where I think we ever see Stuart so if they're two part-time people I mean maybe they're usually off schedule but I don't know I don't like Stuart either he's kind of a grouch so that's the (laughs) cold open Um, one time I went out of town and I came back and my staff, uh, they did fill my office with balloons and that was very annoying. (laughs) So (laughs) that that was an excessive amount of balloons though in, in Anne's office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, really anything more than like six balloons, probably too much. (laughs) That's it. Okay. That's your cutoff. Well, what's the point? Like I care about turtles. I guess all these people just don't care about turtles. Like, let's make a bunch of balloons um, and then fill the landfills and oceans with the something that will look like a jellyfish for a sweet, sweet turtle to eat. Is wow. that what we want? No. Merry Christmas. Happy I'm not, birthday. I'm not doing that. Is <laughs> yeah, that what so you wanted? That, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Don't you want to hear? Um, yeah, just no more balloons. Down with balloons. Uh, so that's the which cold if, which open. Which, if, if you don't fill them with helium, they're, that's... They are down. State. And that's yeah. that's part of the frustration too is as a tall person, if your office is full of non-heliumed balloons, <laughs> you have to bend down and get them all. No, no. And as a tall person, if they are filled with helium and they go up to the roof where people can't grab them, it's your responsibility to get them down. You're closest. Right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I hate balloons, balloons. so much. <laughs> I hate them. Okay, Stuart. They're just such a waste. Stuart. Like... At, I used to work at Long's Drugs, one of my favorite jobs uh, to do. So I had two fun jobs that I liked. One was get the carts from the parking lot or wherever else you might think there might be carts. So Why? That long. looks like the worst part of the job. <laughs> nope. Like what? Nope. Worst part of the job is dealing with people. The best part of the job <laughs> is walking away. <laughs> so, so I would just go for walks. Yeah, I think there was a parking lot over here at QFC. <laughs> I think there was a. I think some of our carts ended up in this apartment complex. Oh, they do. I, was, I mean, for sure they do. <laughs> yes, at least they by do. my house. Yeah, so I had to go look for them. Um, so that was nice. The other fun job at Long's Drugs was filling up balloons with the helium machine, which is not really. I mean, it's a tank. It's not a machine. Sure. Um, partly just because 
if you accidentally let go of a mylar balloon, it will go all the way up to the top of the warehouse and it will be there forever. So, <laughs> oopsies. They actually invented, somebody came up with like the, the balloon, the, the helium balloon corral, right? You ever go into a store mm-hmm. where they have yeah. like the, the upside down cage? Like somebody had to invent that. That's, that just blows my mind. Like that's just, that's a thing. Is it an upside down cage or just a cage? Well, because otherwise, if there's no top on the cage, it's just a, uh, uh, it's it's just a, a fenced a bo- area, a bottomless box. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I have seen that. You know, uh, one of the things that I w- would also hate if I ever ran for office, which if I ever t- tell you, hey Jeremy, I think I'm running for office, just go ahead and just punch me right in the face. Okay. Um, but the victory uh, balloon drop, I also hate that. It's so dumb. Like here comes all of these balloons real slow. <laughs> like, like we're so excited that you got this nomination or you won this thing. Here comes some balloons slowly descending <laughs> from the ceiling. Like confetti, like it like spins and there's you can have a whole bunch of different colors, but usually it's just red, white and blue balloons again. Here they come. Get ready everybody. Here come the balloons. Maybe politics is just like sponsored by big balloons. Like that's just all that's that's the whole reason for it. The balloon lobby. The balloon lobby. Yeah. The <laughs> Which bo- also sounds like a terrible place. <laughs> it's Pawnee's hottest nightclub. <laughs> balloon lobby. Oh, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> uh, okay. yeah, Tom. Okay. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of Pawnee, we should probably do a podcast. I don't know if people right. can tell, but we don't really plan this, you know. Uh, what are you talking about? I have a spreadsheet. Oh, that's true. All right. So we're, let's focus in on the uh, the B plot and C plot because Chris Traeger is a uh, new city manager. He's going to bring all these changes in. And so he wants to up- unlock the department's potential. And so he starts with Jerry and he says, Jerry, you are capable of much more. And I love Jerry's self-awareness. He just says, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> and so uh, he holds up his hand like it's a mirror. And yes. He's like, look in the mirror. Uh, like, Chris, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and Jerry, and Jer- even Jerry's response, this is the part that made me laugh out loud. Probably the, it was just his simple, huh? Like, like what? Right. What has happened? He was us. So great. Yeah. Every, like, it was such a shock to Jerry. Um, and so he's, Chris is going to make him the head of public relations which means he'll be do- leading the daily briefing sessions, which oh. my first question in this episode, why does a parks department need daily briefings? Like what, what is he going to say are every the parks, day? Are the parks still there? What's how's what's the raccoon situation? Yeah, I guess is, with, is, is there waste in the water? I don't know. With all of the uh, media empire that is in Pawnee. I mean, they got to fill that time <laughs> with something. Right. So like how many, like there's eight paper, Eight papers in town, and all of them have a big expose on wastewater <laughs> in the parks. Um, and so uh, Ron is there, and he's eating. It looks like he's eating ribs while Chris is telling all of these new ideas. And he's like, that's an excellent idea to Chris uh, putting Jerry in, pu- in charge of public relations. Um, because Ron recognizes that city managers, they all come in with new ideas, and uh, they basically are inefficient. They bring the, the government to a standstill. And this is Ron's favorite thing in the world seeing the government be ineffective um and so uh he just uh he says i'm just gonna grab a few donuts sit back and enjoy the show and so next 
we, we will see Ron come in with some donuts uh, as this whole thing goes on. And then Ron, uh, April is given a task from Chris that not just Ron's ass assistant, the whole department's assistant. Um, and this is a nightmare and she's going to just, this is not at all what April wants to do. So she's slapping herself in the face, trying to wake up. Uh, and Ron is just like nodding the whole time. Like, this is all good. This is going to be great. Um, the C plot then break branches off because it's another meeting. And this meeting, it's Chris talking to Tom and Andy. And uh, Tom uh, is going to be promoted into a project lead to digitize all of the city archives, um, which sounds terrible. Yeah. And uh, I think Tom has the right perspective on all of this. <laughs> this is a terrible job. Um, but, in you know, as one of the ways that uh, Chris tries to, you know, butter up Tom for this opportunity, he says, I love your entrepreneurial spirit. Um, you know, and a couple episodes ago, Chris uh, told Tom that he can't, you know, make himself wealthy off of uh, his government influence. So his mm -hmm. uh, party at the Snake Hole Lounge to, for the release of Snake Juice, he had to sh sell his shares, all this different stuff. But Chris is take, coming back around and saying, hey, I see you're a go-getter. I'm going to help you be a go-getter by go-getting you to go archive all of those things. <laughs> by go-getting um, you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah so and tom tom's response is like as i'm an entrepreneur is i i uh recently sold my chronicles of riddick dvd set on ebay for 10 bucks <laughs> <laughs> so yeah good business sense and use the profits to buy the blu-ray <laughs> which uh a blu-ray movie right let's say it's like 20 dollars. at the time that tom bought the chronicles of riddick dvd he probably also spent 20 dollars, <laughs> right so he actually lost $30. I, I don't know what the Chronicle of Riddick's math uh, goes for, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, yeah. he's not good at business, um, which we will find uh, in the coming season. So. I, would, I, I actually would like to do that job. I think I would, I would archive. That would be a good job for me. Just hole up in an office with a scanner and just put some music on and start scanning files. Till they're gone. <laughs> Till they're gone. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, I'll I'll keep you posted if I hear any openings. Okay, thanks. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is where we see, um, you know, as Chris is pulling this this move on Tom, says this is going to be up on the fourth floor, and Tom's like, no, I hate the fourth floor. Last time I was up there, I saw someone buy crystal meth out of a vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, the fourth floor is where you go to, uh, you know do all the terrible things that government needs to do. Last time we saw Tom on the fourth floor, he was getting a divorce. So um, this is, you know, a sad place for Tom just in general. But then uh, we also are revealed in this meeting. Andy's there and Chris says, Andy, I'm going to make you this. Uh, you're no longer, you are nobody's shoeshine boy. You are now an administrative assistant for three weeks, then back to shoes. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this is not a forever thing, but uh, you know, he's giving him an opportunity. Um, and Andy was not paying attention, which is so funny. So Andy, he's like super excited. Was like, I wasn't paying attention. Can you say it back again? But more interesting. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that, that's the, the C B and C plot. It's what's going on there. So as we jump forward a little bit, uh, to the B plot, uh, Ron's coming in. I got a second box of donuts if anybody, and then you just like, what the is this? And, uh, Chris has replaced his, 
uh, the reception counter with a circle desk. Um, and uh, it is what well, Chris says. This desk is the epitome of the Swedish concept of Jamdestelt, or equality. And so he gets in the middle of the desk and he's like, this way you can see everything. Jerry say my name, turns around. And he's like, yes, Jerry. He's like, you told me to tell you your name. Good job, superstar. Um, and so he can pivot around uh, all over the office. And uh, Ron is like, this is terrible. I hate this. Um, this is he's be- totally he's totally exposed. Yeah. And, and at one point he says, what happened to uh, this post that was here? It made it really hard to stand in my doorway. And Ron was like, we took it out. He's like, I really love that post. Um, so, yeah. So now um, this whole new... Uh, his old office is now the public waiting room and he's in the middle of the whole department. He's completely exposed to the world and he is not having it. Um, and Chris is just like, well, get over it. It's gone. Uh, you're going to be more accessible than ever, which is the last thing that Ron ever wants. Um, yeah. So then uh, we go up to the fourth floor and Tom is talking about the description of the fourth floor. And I love the way, do you mind if I just read this, Jeremy? Oh, I don't I don't mind at all. All right. Fourth floor, small claims court, divorce filing, state ordered drug tests. It's some of both freezing and humid. There's a whole room <laughs> on the fourth floor where they store the knives they've confiscated from people who went to the fourth floor to stab someone. <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah, it's a dark, dark place. And so this is also where we meet Ethel Beavers. Yay. Um, who will come into many different episodes for many different reasons throughout this series and she is awesome yeah um and so she's going to show them around and uh and uh andy's with her and andy is so excited goes into the office and like there's the first thing Andy says like double computers (laughs) and they're like old like yeah big huge monitors and he picks up the phone he's like wall street buy some stocks now and then he's like oh this phone smells like a butt So, but he's still so excited. <laughs> Nothing in Andy's life is bad news, no. right? Like, like, like he is seeing how awesome this whole world is um, as he is becoming more and more of an adult. Um, and uh, yeah, so Tom is uh, su- super frustrated with all of this, um, and you know she leaves, and he's like, remind, tells Andy, remind me next time to ask where Lincoln got shot, and. Andy sits down because he's the administrative assistant for this whole project. He's like, <laughs> remind Tom, no, remind Tom, ask something. You got it, boss. <laughs> it's not even a good note. He's learning from April how to be a good administrative assistant. Yeah, he is, um, he's, the, he's the wrong person for this job. Yeah. And then, uh, and probably what is the most iconic scene in this whole episode? It goes back to the parks office. Um, and Jerry's like, <laughs> April, do you have that report I need? And she comes over on what looks like, you know, when you have foot surgery and you get one of those knee scooters, like it looks like one of those with a desk on it. And so she's scooting over to Jerry to give him a memo. And on the memo, it just says, you will fail. <laughs> really? Come on. Why? So, so she's doing great. She's really embracing this. Um, and she crashes into his desk. It's like, it's all bad. Um, and she's and, then, and, she, and 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 she's kind of like smiling when she's like just breaking character just a little bit. Yeah, because I'm sure that scene they probably did that like five times. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. Um, and then uh, Ron is sitting in the middle of the room, and a woman comes in, and her name is Gretel. 
she's been at public public forums before um and so she's not new to complaining about park stuff she's the the woman who uh found a ham and yeah. and mayonnaise sandwich in the park and her dog got sick and um so now she's coming in because uh <laughs> oh just this scene just makes me laugh uh she comes in and and to say there's a sign at Ramsett Park that says don't drink the sprinkler water so I made sun tea with it and now I have an infection and while she's talking Ron is is swiveling away and trying to avoid her and she is continuing to ask like, sir, sir, are you listening to me, sir? I'm talking to you, sir. And Ron isn't saying anything, but he keeps going a little bit faster. And uh, then eventually, like, she's at like an old lady jog, like at the mall. Yeah. Like, yes. she's she's got a, like a good, good little track going. Uh, are you aware that there's waste in your water system? Um, <laughs> like, that is one of the the <laughs> quintessential scenes in all of Parks and Rec is Ron swiveling away from this old lady. So yeah, I love she's it got, so much. She's got her, she's got a little arms pumping and she's kind of trying to trot around to catch up with him, which at no point does she think I'll go the other way. Right. I'll head him off at the pass. <laughs> I'll <laughs> stop here and he'll come to me. He'll never see me coming. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, and then cut back up in the C plot up to the fourth floor and April's up there uh, complaining about her job in the parks department about how Jerry is basically her boss. Uh, and Ron's, trapped in this weird desk prison and i now work at a traveling <laughs> iv station <laughs> and then uh mort or not mort uh a uh an, an extra comes in a guy who's never been in the show before and won't be ever again his name is dana gould he is a stand-up comedian yes. he is amazingly weird and he comes in and is like is this mort's office uh no and then he just grabs the coffee machine or the coffee pot and smashes it against the wall I was like, tell Mort, it's your move. And he leaves. He poured the coffee out first, too. <laughs> right. Like, there's yeah. just coffee on the ground. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then he just leaves. And April's like, this is the best place ever. Like, <laughs> I, I need to work up here. Uh, and uh, and then Tom, who's just like, he's not having it. He's like, how many more do we of these stupid documents do we have to scan? And Andy, is, in one of just such a great line delivery, he's like, just this one. And then he waves his hands, like, and all those over there. <laughs> So they've done like one document, it seems. Um, and so Tom's going to start figuring out a way to get out of there. Um, and so he's going to like try to charm and schmooze with Ethel. And he goes over <laughs> to her office and says, hey, Julianne Moore called. She wants her hair back, uh, which totally distracts like Ethel. because She's like, no one named Julian called. Uh, and so, so Tom is trying to like flirt with her. And and then she's like just working on the phone the whole time. And, and he's like, what, what are you doing? Uh, it's like, I'm just trying to make sure you don't miss any more calls. <laughs> so great uh so he's uh yeah he's just trying to figure out a way out and it's he just feels trapped go down to the b plot yeah, i was go just gonna say it's just so so classic tom because like none of his pickup lines work his charm doesn't really work with anything except for like joan calamezzo and so it's like even even ethel beavers doesn't even see what tom has to offer like just totally oblivious he can't win it's great well, Tom's only Tom's charm only works with peop, other people who are also sleazy. <laughs> yes, right, perfect. Like Ethel is sleazy, but we don't know that yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, so, it's a different. It's a different kind, I think. Yeah, it's a whole world of Ethel that just really gets unlocked later. Um, but uh, yeah, so Tom, like Tom and John Ralphio and and Joan, like they're like this probably the sleaziest people. 
in Pawnee. Uh, Mona Lisa, it, John Ralphio's sister, is also going to be pretty sleazy. Feinstein. Uh, and, yeah. And so they're, you know, they all, it all works with them, but it doesn't work with non sleazy people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so he's trapped. And then uh, go back down to the office, and Donna comes over with this bizarro keyboard. Um, and, uh, and he's like, this whole thing isn't going to work. Um, and Ron starts to swivel away from her. And he's like, no, no, you don't swivel from me. Um, and, uh, the, uh, she's like, I can't do this. This, this spaceship keyboard is driving me crazy. And she wrote a word, uh, she's down to one word a minute. And the word is her flippus club. Her flippus club. Her flippus club. Because I can't fly a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> So Ron's like, we just got to wait it out. And and Donna's been in this uh, enough. She's like, I know that that's what you think, but uh, we are. Uh, Chris is not going to just wait it out. He's going to endure. And so uh, Ron's like, uh, he doesn't really want to, but Donna's like, you better swivel down there and, and have a word with him. Um, yeah, this is one of the best scenes that we've seen from Donna. Like, that's yeah, not about her bends, you know. Like, like, yeah, like. I don't know. She's she cares about her job a little bit. She can't type. She's frustrated and she has no qualms calling Ron out. And and I like the fact that she says, usually I'm with you, which then gives her the leeway to then just say, you need to go like she's just telling him what to do. And I love Ron's reaction is just kind of like, mm, yeah, I know. You're right. like, yeah. So he's not mad that she's calling him out because he wouldn't put up with that from pretty much anybody else. So I I really like this dynamic right now with Donna. Yeah, well, essentially what it is, is Donna saying, usually I'm with you right yeah. now. I need you to be with us. Right. Like, we all hate this. Yeah. And and so, like, as our department lead, like, this is the time, Ron, where you actually need to do a job. Like, I know you don't want to do the job, but all your team is miserable. So you got to do a job. Um. Yeah, so it's a good, uh, good little office realism where, you know, like, this is, there are things that bosses have that are totally out of their control. Um, but there are other times where the boss can come in and be like, okay, we got to fix this. Right. So, uh, so Tom is trying to scheme his way out of here, out of the fourth floor. And so it cuts back to the fourth floor. And, uh, this woman is like, there's nothing left. It's over. <laughs> and, and Chris is there like consoling her. He's like, Hey, it's okay. Get yourself together. Go out there and be the woman that you knew you could be. Uh, and she's like, thank you. And walks away. She's crying. And I, it, Chris is helping. And Tom's like, who is that? I don't know. I saw her crying. And so I helped. <laughs> And so I helped. Uh, yeah, the captain positive here. And so Tom is saying, look, I got to get out of this. This is not my my gig. It's not my wheelhouse. Uh, and he even says, I tend to work best with young, attractive people. <laughs> and it's great, too, because like like seeing what Chris is doing with this person that he doesn't know. And right after that, he's like, what are you doing? And he hears about this person just trying to help us, like helping a stranger. And Tom, but and yet Tom's so about himself that he's just like, OK, that's cool but I really need to get out of this thing. Like, right. like none of that comes around. It's like, Oh wow. Maybe I do have a good spot or, you know, this isn't that bad. Anyway, I thought that was, a, that was also a good contrast. Yeah. So, but Chris, you know, he's saying like, look, I gave you this opportunity to yeah. be a project leader and in an office environment, you know, sometimes you get the title of project leader that is just really terrible work. But when you write a resume, it looks good to say I was a project lead. Sure. You don't have to say like, yeah, I just was working a scanner with Andy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you can say, yeah, I was a project lead. I helped, I helped lead the digitization of the archives of uh, the entire government system. 
Right. Like that sounds way cooler than I was in a room where a dude threatened somebody who wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So, um, Chris says, it's trying to pump him up. He says, let your brain unlock the door to your heart's future. (laughs) I made that expression up when I was 14. Still in use today by me. Got a jam. (laughs) 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 So, uh, yeah. So then, uh, cut back to the, uh, the archive room and Ethel and Muriel are there. Um, and they're just like, so enthralled by April and Andy. Uh, they're the cutest things in on four legs. Um, but uh, they're concerned that April's wearing too much black. It's like she's going to a funeral, and he's like, "You got it. they, they make a good point." Um, and uh, so they're April and Andy are like basically inappropriate in the workplace. <laughs> Ethel and Muriel are like just enthralled with them, and then they Andy is a little bit flirting with them. It's a whole thing. Um, and uh, Tom is super annoyed by all of it. <laughs> um, and like, can you hand me that? folder over there ethel and ethel just like slaps it drops it on the floor and like uh like acting like a real child uh and she says looks like someone got up on the wrong side of their crib uh and muriel laughs and they leave and tom is like tom is the jerry in this situation now (laughs) (laughs) so he can't handle it uh and then uh and not go back to the parks office and jerry's giving his daily briefing um and it starts really well uh, so Webster's Dictionary describes a pork as a, no, <laughs> no, it's park, park. I'm sorry. Jeez. Can we start over? Uh, <laughs> and so Ron's in his circle desk seeing that happen. Um, and uh, he's just turning around, looking at Donna's miserable. Everybody's miserable. And so finally he just says, all right, I- internally, he just decides to go up to Chris's office. Uh, and he says, you have come up with a plan so spectacularly terrible. It may bring the government to a halt. And I mean that as a compliment. Like this is, I'm really proud of you. Um, but my park, my department needs to go back to the way it is. Everybody's miserable. Um, and you know, we see here that he knows his team mm-hmm. really well, Yeah. which again, like you don't think Ron is really paying attention, but he really does know his team. He knows Tom only performs, uh, when there's someone to impress. Um, and he, so there's no one on fourth, fourth floor to impress. April is assistant to everyone, but she hates everyone. So that's a problem. Uh, Jerry can only function when no one is looking. <laughs> which is not a really good idea for a PR person. Um, and he describes him and he says, you shine a light on him and he shrinks up faster than an Eskimo scrotum. Uh, so that's very uh, graphic. But, very graphic. Yeah. yeah. It's an intense picture. Uh, I think Ron, Ron knows like he's, he's figured out the path of least resistance for his office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, he's like, we have to change everything back. And uh, Chris is like, I can't just roll over on this. And so Ron, offers a compromise and we will see what that compromise is later um so go cut back to the the uh, c uh plot here tom tom is in the office and andy comes in he's like these uh pecan squares are awesome they're like crack i brought you one um and he's like how aren't you like tom's like why why are you happy working here he's like i don't know you know andy just has this great perspective like he was living in a pit and now he's got a job, a wife, his band is so good. Uh, he's like <laughs> listing all the things. And like, while he's talking, he's like, are you going to eat that pecan square? <laughs> when like, you know, like he is my golden retriever yeah. so much. Yeah. Like, she's just so happy to see me. But if there's food around, like, she's like, are you, are you going to eat that? Can I have it? Um, and uh, <laughs> he's like, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I read that once on a can of lemonade. <laughs> but I like to think it applies to life. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) Andy is just wonderful. Um, So he's, you know, trying to convince, uh, you know, Andy that, or Tom, that this is not as bad as he thinks. And so um, he's like, I don't like, cuts to a talking head. And he's like, I don't like lemonade. It's too, uh, it's too sweet. It makes my tongue gritty. And so from now on, I'm going to, when Mike gives me lemons, I'm going to make, cut them up into wedges, put them in vodka tonics. And which I will, uh, then he goes on to talking about this nightclub that he's going to run with Tay Diggs. It's like, Tom clearly does not want to do anything here at all. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, so then uh, gets back down to Park's office and everything is back to normal, except for one thing. Ron is still in the circle desk. Um, and Les is like, I thought you would have been back in your office by now. I was like, well, I have to be here for a week. And uh, a, a citizen comes in and Leslie like intervenes while Ron is swiveling away from the citizen. So, yeah. And I love how Leslie too, it just asks, you know, you know, uh, everyone's kind of back except for you. And Ron's like, oh yeah, you know how it tries to play it off. And then Leslie's like, yeah, how long do you have to do this? Like she, she knows what Ron did, even though nobody else really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Ron is taking the hit here and uh, Leslie uh, appreciates it. Um, and uh, then there's a great little credit scene before we go to the A plot where uh, Andy is sitting in the shoe shine stand and there's a guy filling in for Andy, which again, I don't know why this is even a thing in the city hall. Why would they need a shoe? Like, your shoes can't get scuffed up that much uh, in three weeks. So, um, so he's like, the guy's doing it and they're like, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> he's like, hop up here. Let me show you. And so he, he's like, the thing is you're thinking too much about it. And so he polishes the guy's shoes and then like gets up and like, don't mess it up. by when I come back in a few weeks and then he give, pays the guy and he pays the other person because Andy shined that other person's shoes. Yeah. So what's well, his, is it's, dumb. It's, it's his stand. <laughs> So right, yeah, he's trying to defend the integrity of his workplace. But I love the fact that he even like that they even wrote in like, well, if Andy's not at the shoe shine, who is? Right. It's so it's crucial for the <laughs> the functioning of the the uh, the whole city hall. Even though they have that one like chain that that skinny chain that can go across the whole thing and that shuts it shuts it down. But no, nope. right. Gotta, yeah, gotta Kyle, get that guy. I'm surprised Kyle ever got out of there. <laughs> that would have been funny too if it was just like kyle (laughs) behind the chair for a long time as a credit scene yeah that was that's the credit scene (laughs) andy (laughs) can i leave (laughs) uh i i really want to meet kyle's boss i wish that would have been a a dynamic at some point (laughs) right like what department is kyle in and who's his boss uh because he's terrible um yeah all right so let's talk about the a plot because leslie and ben are you know they have expressed their feelings for each other it is out there it's public um and so um you know they are starting to date and it's a big deal because this is something that is a no-no for chris the major rule Mm -hmm. um and so it starts with a a a classic aaron sorkin-esque walk and talk in the part in the hallway uh talking about a meeting coming up um and then ben says you know at some point i think we should probably make out and was like yeah that's a good call uh and so let's talking head let's just like the beginning of relationships are the best there's no fights everything's great um you're just uh drinking white wine cuddling and a crazy amount of history channel documentaries um and uh but here ben introduces the tension for this whole episode is like hey i have a meeting with marlene griggs nope 
uh, are you related to her? And Leslie right away says, oh, no, just a coincidence. We get it all the time. She's actually Filipino, <laughs> which is a lie. And we've met Marlene uh, in this sh in the show. So as a, the watcher, we're like, oh, this is all lies. And obviously, that's going to be something that she's going to know. Like, Ben's going to know she's not Filipino, like, right away. <laughs> um, and so uh, this is the the only other part in this whole episode where Anne comes in because Leslie goes to Anne's office um, and uh, tells her, like, tells her what's going on. And, and Leslie's, Anne's just like, why don't you just tell her that she's your mom? He's like, because then it's going to ruin everything. And so she's trying to protect the bubble of the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not going to. Uh, yeah, it's it, Anne is the, the voice of reason here. Like, you just tell him and it will be over and it will be fine. Um, but yeah. And it also kind of starts like this, this funny little thread of Leslie trying to solve all of her problems by either her sending someone or herself to a different country. Right. We should just buy my mom a ticket to England. Right. So and then I can go yeah. visit her there. Everybody wins. Yeah. All good things. So um, so then the next time we see Leslie, she goes to talk to Ben. And wait, wait, him. wait, hold what? on. Sorry. Cause then Stuart comes in. Like they're talking. I'm oh, like, right. Stuart, please. <laughs> it's my office too. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that guy was rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Stuart is not long for the city hall. So no. um yeah, so uh, the next time we see Leslie, she goes and talks to Ben and is like, hey, since I'm here, uh, I want you to let you know that Marlene Griggs Nope is my mom. Uh, and she's not easy to get along with. Uh, she holds on to things for a really long time. She's kind of a bully. Uh, and like this is right before she, Ben's going to go into her right. office. And then he, uh, she's like, but you'll do great. And she, uh, like, I don't know if she's just trying to go in for a hug, but she spills her coffee on him. And, uh, and now he's got coffee all over his shirt. And, uh, and when he goes in, like Ben is totally flustered. And uh, Marlene's first response is, looks like you got some shirt on your coffee. Yeah. You know what happened? I spilled it. <laughs> you know how it goes. <laughs> and, uh, and Marlene's just like, fun anecdote. <laughs> um, and so uh, she wants some school buses because she oversees the education department. And she wants some new buses. And Ben's like, totally flustered. And he's like, yeah, okay. Uh, that's it. Like, yeah, no, no, you can't. Um, and so he's worked himself into a corner with Marlene already. Um, and so he's not happy about all this because Leslie lied to him uh, about the whole situation. And then cuts back and Leslie comes in. He's like, hey, how'd it go? Uh, I made you a, 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 a mixtape and, you know, it's, uh, put only five Sarah McLaughlin songs on it, um, <laughs> which is uh, too many. Um, and then uh, Ben's like, we should talk about how your your mom was a Filipino woman you'd you'd never met. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like, and she says like, look, it was all terrible, and we need to figure this out. And Leslie's um, like, I just want to stay in the bubble for a while and not have to like get real uh, with consequences of their relationship. Um, and but Ben's like, I came off like an idiot, and that's because you sent me in there completely unprepared. So they're having really their first fight. Um, and uh, and so Leslie's like, I'm sure she thought you were great and not a problem. Like you, you did great. And so Marlene's like, cut to Marlene's office. She's like, I loved him. He's a total pushover. Uh, he's just a spineless jellyfish. Um, and Leslie's like, oh, that's not great. Um, <laughs> and so um, 
then gets back to talking to Ben and, and it's like, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. And Ben's like, no, it's not. She thinks I'm a pushover. Everybody's going to think I'm a pushover. We have to fix this. And then the guy comes, uh, a woman comes in and is like, now the education department is asking for 10 buses because Ben's a pushover. And so they're like, we got to fix this. And uh, Leslie's response here, we could go to Belize. Right. <laughs> and, and go scuba diving. And we'll get you certified. We'll look at whale sharks. It's like, <laughs> again, avoid the problem at all costs. Because I like how they're like, uh, you know, now that I'm a pushover, why not ask for 10 or 20 or 100 school buses or a fleet of school yachts? Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somewhere in Scientology, there is a, a fleet of school yachts, but <laughs> it's not the world that we're living in. Um, it's not. So, so, so they go ahead and they start their training for meeting with Marlene. Um, and Les is like, you got to be powerful, decisive. Uh, this is not a meeting. It's a battle. Normal rules do not apply. Um, and uh, so comes in is like, hello, wrong. <laughs> what? No preambles, no introduction. Just walk in and start talking. And so like, okay, we need to talk about the school bus. Like, stop. You need you're rhyming, and you should already be sitting down. And like, she's giving him all these rules of the all the things that are happening. And then he says, um, is like, um, is the sound in dumb? That's what she <laughs> says to people. <laughs> and you've crossed your legs like a woman. Should we start over? No. <laughs> <laughs> so here memorize all these 10 th things that she let like all the things she needs to let us talk about um and you got 10 minutes and one of the things on the item is deliverance the movie so well i don't know how you would talk about that but all right <laughs> um so getting a, a uh, you know just a really intense study on marlene um and then so leslie cuts to leslie talking to marlene and she comes in and is like mommy <laughs> which that's never happened before uh, in, when we've met Marlene. Um, no. and so it seems like Leslie's trying to like soften her up a little bit. Um, and uh, so she brings coffee for Marlene, uh, trying to put her in a good mood and all this stuff. And then Ben comes in. He's like, so I see that you are actually request for more school buses. Um, and Marlene's like, what are you doing? We're having coffee here. Could we do this another time? Like, no, we're going to do it now. Or I could just not put give you any money for the education budget. Um, and so now Ben is being the uh the hard one and uh and so they cut back to the meeting after some other stuff and like we can't do it it's not possible we can't spend the money um and don't even try to outflank me because you will fail um and marlene's shocked like where's all this confidence coming from um and uh it's coming from leslie knowing the cheat sheet too and then ben's like well maybe we can compromise and uh they, they quote andrew carnegie and then Ben quotes Calvin and Hobbes, which, <laughs> you know, I can't tell you how many times in a meeting where quoting Calvin and Hobbes really brought the whole thing together. Sure. Um, because it's never happened. And uh, and then they're like, oh, well, maybe we can work something out. So it cuts to a talking head. And but the uh, quote, but the quote didn't even make sense. Like that, that was the part that I thought was hilarious. It reminds me of another quote because they're going to compromise. And it's like, you need a lobotomy. I'll get the saw. And it's like, what? <laughs> I don't. What? I think it was just the the aggressive uh, nature of the quote. Like, sure, you're not thinking straight. I'm going to cut your head open. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think that's what it's getting at. Uh, and so while Leslie's doing a talking head about how this is going so great, uh, the camera can, is has Ben and Marlene in the background, and Marlene puts her hand on Ben's knee, and Ben is like, "What? Uh, ah!" Um, and uh, then. You know, the rapper come back into the meeting and Ben is like, yep, OK, OK. And he just wants to get out of there. Um, and uh, 
Celeste is like, wow, she was really impressed by you. I mean, you could hit, hit, you guys are hitting it off really well. Maybe we should go to her house. Uh, it's like, no, not all bad things. Um, and uh, then Leslie comes back uh, with a gift. Like, like the meeting went so good. Like Ben hasn't told her yet what happened. Meeting was so good. I made you a little music box that you can give her. It's got McSteamy from Grey's Anatomy, which is a show I've never seen. Um, and uh, but I guess it's a big thing for Marlene. And then she says, "Look, your mom made a pass at me, and this is not good." Uh, so she's like, "Maybe he, she was just flirting a little bit." At, I'm sure she's not really interested in me. And was like, "No, we have to. I can't do this. This is awful. It's going to destroy the bubble." Um, and you know, flirting with you is number one on the list of things for destroying the bubble, um, <laughs> which I didn't even think you should put on a list. Uh, but there it is. Um, and so then, uh, <laughs> Leslie is like, maybe we issue a government wide memo about sexual harassment and then you go to Mexico just for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so then Ben just goes and, <laughs> and to Marlene's office is like, look. Leslie and I are dating and it's a big deal. Like we're not telling anybody because we could lose our job. I trust that you won't tell anybody either. And then she's like, well, then I want four buses. And Ben says two and it's a deal. So, um, and then Leslie says, or she's like, looks to Leslie. like, I like this one. And was like, me too. Keep your hands off it. <laughs> so, and that's uh, the, the a plot that more, you know, Marlene now knows that Ben and Leslie are dating. Uh, we see that Ben is willing to use their relationship to uh, win a negotiation, uh, <laughs> <so> that, <laughs> which I don't know how, how I feel about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're into each other there. It's happening. The relationship is getting more and more real. And uh, yeah. So this was season three, episode 15. And we have one more episode this season uh, in, in which the episode, the relationship between Ben and Leslie is going to continue to escalate, but also in a time of great mourning for mm. the entire city of Pawnee on a very special episode of Parks and Recreation. So, yeah, man, we went through a lot here, Jeremy. There was a lot, yeah. Anything that we like missed? A, any, like a whole episode's worth. Anything that we need to uh, to highlight or any any feelings after this episode that you're like, I don't know, I like this, I didn't like that. Anything. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think this was a fine episode. I think there were some funny bits and, uh, yeah. Um, not the strongest in season three, but it moves the plot along. And, um, I think, I think Nick Offerman had the best acting job, you know, the easiest acting job for this one. He just got to sit in a chair pretty much the whole time and swirl around, um, yeah, twirl, good gig. twirl around and look uncomfortable. Um, no, I think the desk and yeah, like you said, the desk and the lady running around it was probably the best part. Also, I love that they brought back the fourth floor um, and that they'll continue bringing back the fourth floor as though it's its own kind of character, its own place um, as a super sketchy, creepy place, which is just fantastic that it's on, again, the fourth floor. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was great. You know, Anne is finally there for an actual reason. Um, yeah, she's got a job job. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What did you think? Uh, I agree that it just it moves things forward. I do think, um, you know, as we see Tom progression here, mm. we also oh, yeah. see that he is actually like tired of working uh, in this environment. And so he's like, you see him looking for a Hoosier career. Yeah. Um, probably created by the same person who made Hoosier mate. <laughs> um, and uh, so he's like looking for jobs. 
um, which is, uh, you know, that's going to be a, a part of Tom's journey in the next season. Um, right. Starting with the next episode. Uh, so, yeah, this was really just a moving all the set pieces where you need them for the next uh, the, the conclusion of the season, which is next episode. So, yeah, um, yeah the. Uh, yeah, so all in all, it's a fine episode. There's funny things, but it's not uh-huh. like the best episode. Um, and, you know, it was rated at 8.2 on IMDb. Um, and I feel like that is fairly accurate. Sure. So. But, um, yeah, I do love. Uh, I love Ethel. Having her back, having her in this in the mix now is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would love for like someday they're, they're going to make like a display of this in the Smithsonian. And my hope is that they like put the circle desk in there. So and then like have a hologram of Ron just swiveling (laughs) so then people can come and they're like, sir, sir. And they can like post that on their their Twitter or their Instagram. They could just run around the desk while he he turns away from him. Yeah, I think that would be great. So like, do you want him to recreate the entire office at the Smithsonian? uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds great. But. Yeah, that would be. Uh, yeah, I mean, it can't be that hard. I mean, they've already made it. They just need to move it over to the Smithsonian. Sure, all this stuff exists somewhere, like the like the office, like the office in the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. I don't know why. I don't know why more people don't do this. I wonder what so. the market for that would be. Like, if you had a place, you know how that like there's escape rooms and stuff. What if you had mm-hmm. a a place that like recreated the sets, and you could just come and have like a party. Like have a party in the friends friends set, or um, yeah, the, the oh. office, the office. Like have your Christmas party at oh. the office. Have your office Christmas party at the at office. The, at the office, yeah. Oh, that would be awful. Have your pizza party at the Parks and Rec office. That I'd be on board with. And you only get one pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> I don't know. What yeah. other what other sets would you like rent? Like what? Like where else would you ever want to have a like the what, what set would you want to visit? Like cause cheers, cheers. So just a bar, okay. Have, well, no, it's not just it's not just a bar. It's a bar <laughs> that's downstairs and has an upstairs to a restaurant, uh, <laughs> and then a whole back room. Sure. Like there's a lot to do there. There's a lot of place to hang out. Um, and like everybody knows your name. It's right in the song. So that'd be great. And if Ted Danson was still the 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 barkeep, oh, that'd be awesome. I'd, I'd be on board. If they could revive Coach, <laughs> just the coach's office. No, no, Coach. The from Cheers. Oh yeah. The... <laughs> I thought you okay, meant the yeah. show. Like, <laughs> like okay. I mean, that's that's oddly specific, but <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Uh, let's have a let's just have a meeting in one office. Uh, was there anywhere else in that show that they went? I don't. I I don't remember. It would be like the lounge. It would be like the lounge and wings, you know, like. Oh my airport. gosh, that would be a good place too. <laughs> that would be wings. that would be a fun place to have a party. Yeah. <laughs> See. Yeah. All right, all right, listener. If you've made it this far, I applaud you. First of all, good job. <laughs> uh, really r- respect. But uh, where where would you? What set of a show or you know that's that's pretty iconic? Would you would you uh, consider renting or having a party? I think that would be. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. That is a great question. So email us at parks and conversation at gmail.com. 
And uh, we look forward to hearing from you on the sad parties that you're going to throw. <laughs> awesome. No. When parties are allowed again. Right. Exactly. You could do a very socially distanced party at Ramsett Park. So, which is just outside. I, I, I do not want to recreate Ramsett Park. You don't want to get an infection from the sun tea that you made from the wa- water that has waste in it? No. Okay. All right. Well, fine. Be that way. So, all right. Well, we should wrap it up here because this was, um, you know, this was a whole thing we did. So yeah. We should and, now stop. It, and now it's over. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye.